0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. mcasd.org.
1: Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, August 12th. Oceanside's disappearing beaches. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. California will be the first state in the nation to require all school personnel be vaccinated against COVID-19 or undergo weekly testing. Governor Gavin Newsom made the announcement on Wednesday.
2: We think this is the right thing to do, and we think this is a sustainable way to keeping our schools open.
1: Locally, San Diego Unified School District has already mandated COVID-19 vaccines or testing of their teachers. San Diego has a new Director of Homelessness Strategies and Solutions. Earlier this week, Hafsa Keika was appointed to the position and she says she understands it's not a simple issue. We know that we are working and building upon the community action plan. We know that we are definitely looking at incorporating additional shelters, as the mayor just mentioned. We are really enhancing our outreach. Keika says she plans on expanding the department. In Northern California, the Dixie Fire continues to rage. It's now the largest single wildfire in California history, having blackened more than 500,000 acres. At least 1,000 buildings, many of them homes, have been destroyed. Here's Cal Fire Chief Tom Porter.
3: The concern we have going into the next few days is another bout of monsoonal moisture coming up through Southern California, turning into dry lightning potentially. Uh, through this area and all the way to the north coast of California and then into Oregon, Washington as well.
1: After nearly a month of battling the Dixie Fire, containment stands at 30 percent. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, education, Healthcare and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: Oceanside officials have voted to move ahead with a plan to build underwater barriers to capture sand for the city's beaches. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more.
2: Construction of the Camp Pendleton Harbor in 1942 created a long-running sand erosion problem for the North County community. City officials hope to fix that by building underwater barriers to keep the sand from moving out of the region. The sand could help maintain or even widen the city's beaches. The Surfrider Foundation's Laura Walsh opposes the plan because it could rob sand from beaches south of Oceanside.
1: It's kind of a zero-sum equation in some sense. Again, sand dynamics are really complicated, but if you're blocking sand here, the sand is not going there.
2: The California Coastal Commission will have to evaluate the project at some point. The state agency hasn't approved a sand retention project like this one in decades.
1: And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Some Rancho Penasquitos residents are suing the city over a 536-unit senior community housing development. The Junipers project was approved by the city council in June. KPBS's Alexander Wynn has more.
3: The group behind the suit is called Penasquitos Northeast Action. Its members are concerned about having an adequate fire evacuation route if the Junipers is built. Mike Slavin is with the group.
0: It's a danger waiting to happen. We are one of f- the few San Diego communities that does not have an approved fire plan because we only have one way in, one way out.
3: Ever Delano is the group's lawyer. He says PQNE has been trying to work with the developers and the city on this issue, but got nowhere. So they felt the lawsuit was the only way the voices could be heard.
0: In essence, what the case is saying is the city approved a project that's going to dump a lot of. Bad impacts. Impacts in terms of fire safety, impacts in terms of traffic impacts, and other kinds of impacts onto the community without adequately addressing those.
3: PQNE says it's not against development. It just wants safe development. The city's attorney's office says it will review the complaint and respond in court.
1: And that was KPBS's Alexander Wynn. California could get billions of dollars to fight wildfires and drought from the $1 trillion infrastructure bill approved by the U.S. Senate on Tuesday. KQED's Marisa Lagos has more. The bipartisan bill, which still needs House approval, will invest billions of dollars across the U.S. into roads and bridges, public transit, and broadband access. But it also includes funding for key programs in California, including money to boost salaries for federal firefighters, and to prevent wildfires by putting power lines underground and fireproofing homes. There's also more than $8 billion earmarked for water programs, including storage, recycling, and environmental restoration, and $500 billion for dam safety, much of which will benefit California. The House is not expected to take up the measure until it's also ready to consider a separate $3.5 trillion budget bill that will address climate change, health, and education. And that was KQED's Marisa Lagos. Faced with a national homelessness crisis that worsened during the pandemic, cities across the country are opening up so-called tiny home villages for the unhoused. The villages consist of collections of small modular aluminum shelters, think something like fancy garden sheds that could house one or two people each. Los Angeles has been especially aggressive in opening up tiny home villages. The California Report visited one in L.A.'s San Fernando Valley. Saul Gonzalez has the story.
2: Behind fences and privacy screens blocking views from the street, the homes are partially painted in soft pastel colors and arranged in neat rows with walking paths between them. It gives the place a kind of summer camp feel. Julio Paz is the program manager here and showed us inside one tiny home. So inside, Every unit has an AC unit like this. They have their outlets. This right here is a light. Shelving. Shelving, right? Um, There's two beds in each one that you could fold up here. Yeah. So this, these are folded up. So right now, if it's a single individual, we're just kind of keeping them in one cabin due to the COVID restrictions and everything. Right. It's uh, better than a tent. Way better than a tent, especially in this heat. Like other tiny home villages, the 60 residents living here are also provided with shower and laundry facilities, common areas for eating and socializing, a dog run for those with pets, and Wi-Fi. On-site mental health and addiction treatment services are also available. Before moving here, 44-year-old Damian Brown was sleeping on the sidewalk a few blocks away where he had no protection from the elements. I was just in a sleeping bag on the ground. Really? Nothing nothing to cover you? No, I had covers. I had one
0: blanket. So how does this compare? Oh, this is like the Ritz, man. They got all your needs taken care of. You really don't, you know, want for anything here.
2: But in exchange, residents like Brown have to follow some rules. There's a 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. A security guard wants people before they come in. And drugs and alcohol have to be left outside in storage lockers. And you don't feel like, you know... You're under somebody's thumb here. At first I did. At first you
0: did. Yeah, at first, because I wasn't used
2: to it, that structure again. So it took me a minute. Along with Los Angeles, tiny home villages have opened in the city of Riverside and in Sonoma County. Oakland is building its first village, and the mayor of Sacramento has announced plans to build villages in his city. Why the sudden interest? Desperation to find fast, if partial, solutions to homelessness, says Rowan Van Sleeve of the nonprofit Hope of the Valley, which operates the tiny home village we visited.
0: This site here took about 87 days from the day the tractors first rolled in to set the site up to the day they gave us the keys to start welcoming guests.
2: And that's absolutely really warp speed compared to a lot of other housing projects that go up. Some of our bridge housing projects take over two years.
0: These
4: sites can
2: be done in 90 days. But there are criticisms of tiny home villages. Chief among them is the fact that tiny homes aren't really homes at all. They're short-term emergency shelters and not permanent housing. The people living in the villages are supposed to transition to long-term housing within three to six months. But given rental cost realities in California, some tiny home village residents like Alexander Blake say that's probably not possible.
3: I think I'm going to be stuck here for years is what I really think because... Our housing is insane. Uh, the, the prices keep going up. With the money I'd make from a disability, it's, it's only $700. So there's not much you can get in L.A. for $700 a month if you even spend all of your money on that.
2: Hope of the Valley's Rowan Van Sleeve says his nonprofit, in cooperation with the City of Los Angeles, will do everything it can to help tiny home residents find permanent housing. Meanwhile, Hope of the Valley is busily planning more tiny home villages in and around L.A. All of our tiny home sites, all
0: seven of them that are guaranteed to open this year, we will have approximately 1,000 beds across the San Fernando and Antelope Valley inside tiny home cabins.
2: And Van Sleeve predicts that tiny home villages that open this year will still be needed and filled with homeless residents for at least another decade.
1: And that was Saul Gonzalez for the California Report. Coming up, the Old Globe returns to live performances with the 1960s rock musical Hair.
4: This is going to sound so crazy, but I feel like this play is needed right now, just like it was needed back in the late 60s.
1: More on that next, just after the break. The Old Globe had planned to stage hair back in 2020, but the pandemic forced the production to be postponed. Now the 60s rock opera will mark the Globe's return to live performances. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando says the play may actually be more relevant now.
5: By the end of 1968, audiences seeing Hair had also witnessed race riots spreading across the U.S., widespread student protests, debate over the Voting Rights Act, the founding of the Black Panther Party, and the Stonewall Riots. The rock musical Hair captures a sense of political and social upheaval that feels surprisingly familiar to audiences in 2021, says
4: actor Andrew Pollack. This is going to sound so crazy, but I feel like this play is needed right now, just like it was needed back in the late 60s. This play tapped into the zeitgeist, the pulse of the late 60s, and completely captured the essence of how life needed to change, how the old needed to be subverted almost and changed into the new. We needed to question the status quo.
5: Pollock plays counterculture hippie icon Berger in the Old Globe's production of Hair, the American tribal love rock musical.
4: Right now, what we want to do and what we want to share with everyone in this world and everyone who sees this play is that there is still a chance to always change and better ourselves. And there is always a chance to connect with each other even more than we already are connecting to connect with love, to connect with hope, to actually embrace all of our differences, embrace the diversity and beauty of this world.
5: But Hare is very specifically set in 1968, as actor Tyler Hardwick points
4: out. You have a bunch of 18-year-olds who are being drafted and in, in, in the government is deciding what their life is going to be. And in most cases, their life was ending in, in Vietnam. Why does this government, this entity get to decide what to do with my life and my body, right? Questioning why do why does this thing, the system, get to take my body and throw it into circumstances without my consent?
5: Yet the play's message is timeless, says director James Vasquez.
3: Every generation is gonna have a fight and every generation is gonna want to make the world a better place. And that's ultimately what HAIR is about. It's a group of young people who come together fighting for change and fighting for better.
5: In fact, Vasquez says it's very important to keep the play firmly in its period setting.
3: Well, you know, I think it's important to keep it in 1968 because I think it's important to show humanity that we have continual opportunity to improve and we don't always take that opportunity. So it's a little bit of a smack in the face and reminder that we have work that we still need to be doing.
5: The play has almost 40 musical numbers and each is like its own protest
3: moment, adds Vasquez. Everybody steps forward at some point with
4: something that is vitally important to them that they need to share.
5: Again, Andrew Pollock.
4: Each character has a message. I mean, Burgers is all about transcending beyond the reality and finding a new hope and a a new, better reality that everyone can fall in love with. And I think every character in the show is so special and the message is so important. You're definitely going to have
3: messages of Black Lives Matter. Uh, There's a big push of BIPOC stories in our production and gender issues and living your life authentically, which I think are wildly important issues in 2021 that fit into the story of hair.
5: stirred controversy when it opened because there was onstage nudity, a character urinated on the flag, and lyrics addressed racist stereotypes as well as sexual freedom.
3: There are a couple challenging moments in the story, some that even sort of make the fur on the back of our, you know, stand up a little bit. We've had some conversations about moments in the show that make us uncomfortable that we, after discussion, find important to still tell and present as part of the story. I will say the urination on the flag is no longer in the script. And I don't think that is something that we would have pushed forward. We found other ways to make comments on what it is to be an American today. But the nudity remains. We found again, after lots and lots of discussion, that the nudity is maybe one of the most important moments of the show. Claude's journey in the show is so much about the decision of do I live this free, authentic life or do I really give over to the system? He makes his choice and the collective, uh, in contrast, make a choice to express their freedom and liberation.
5: One unexpected benefit of the play having been postponed is that it is now being performed
3: on the outdoor stage. You put those trees in the background and it just changes the world for you. So that guided us, I mean, we really, set our world in a park, a corner of a park, that our collective takes over. We've graffitied messages of hope and love all over the stage.
5: Messages that remind us of an opportunity for change that we had more than a half century ago and that we now face again. Vasquez hopes the energy of youth that drives the play will inspire audiences to strive yet again for something better. Beth Accomando, KPBS News.
1: Hair runs through September 26th at the Globe's outdoor Lowell Davies Festival Theater.